0: Do you know what the most asked question is in our Mom Force Facebook group? How do I get my baby to sleep through the night? Ugh, we have all been there, sleep deprived and desperate. But this week we have answers for you. Sleep specialist Becca Campbell from Little Z Sleep is our guest in this first episode of a three part series all about sleep. Be sure to subscribe to the Mom Force podcast so you don't miss anything. And check out our Chatbooks Instagram for a way to enter to win a brand new Helix mattress so you can finally get a good night's sleep. Are you looking for real life, tried and true tips and tricks to help with all the nitty gritty stuff of mom life? Well, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Mom Force. Okay. Hello. Hello, everyone. This is Vanessa Quigley here in the Chatbooks podcast studio. And today I have my sister, Kara, calling in from her closet in Florida. Hello. Hello, Kara. (laughs) She's got her spray tan on, getting ready for date night tonight. Yeah, baby. (laughs) And we are so excited to be chatting with our guest and sleep expert, Becca Campbell. Hi, Becca. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being willing to be here and help us answer the most asked question in our Mom Force Facebook group. How do I get my baby to sleep? <laughs> the eternal question. <laughs> well, first of all, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you became a sleep expert. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. Yep. And actually it started with that question. Literally, it started with How do
1: I get my kid to sleep? How do I get my baby to sleep? Because you just don't know. So I have been doing this for five years through little Z sleep. And it started when I could not figure out why my daughter wouldn't stop screaming, why she wouldn't go to sleep, why she wouldn't just like do what other kids seem to do, which was just to pass out and fall asleep. So she was four months old. I was an elementary school teacher at the time. My husband was a high school teacher at the time. And we were both just exhausted. We were waking up like every 90 minutes throughout the night she was sleeping on me and finally it got to that like terrifying moment that was the wake-up call where she's underneath my comforter and I'm like whoa this is not good like this is not safe and so that was like the okay becca we gotta figure something out here like no more just trying to you know survive and I had already tried to ask like my lactation consultant you know begged her like please give me a schedule I don't know what I'm doing none of my friends seemed to struggle with this so I just thought like, what the heck is wrong with me? What's wrong with my baby? I don't know. So I just sat down to Google before I left to work one morning and I was like, how do you get your baby to sleep? Not even like sleep all night. I didn't care about that. I was like, just like just sleep. Just let her close her eyes. It'd be awesome. And that of course led me on what I did not realize was a thing of sleep consulting. So I ended up working with um, a sleep consultant, but even like before that, I was like, whatever, I can teach myself. I can read books. I'm a teacher. No, you can't. Not when you're exhausted and not when it's your own kid and your own self. So once I realized like, DIY was not for me. I worked with somebody and that's when it all clicked because I needed a human being to be able to help me problem solve and to figure it out. And so that got me thinking like, wow, I really, I could do this. You know, I'm a teacher. I could teach other parents how to do this. So that was that I got certified, got my training, got everything in order and just like jumped in full force. And that was in 2015. So here we are
2: today. Wow. So we just recently announced to our family that I am expecting baby number five. Yay, yay, (laughs) yay, yay. Thank you. After about eight years of doing this, we are jumping two feet forward into this all over again, and I'm a little bit nervous because I've had some great sleepers that I just my baby Kate, I'd lay her down, walk away, and she'd fall asleep. And then I had Charlotte, who was the complete opposite. So I feel like I'm starting completely over, and I feel like I have no no history on how to do this. So I'm very excited about being on this podcast with you and being able to talk about this.
1: Well, I have to tell you, obviously, congratulations. Yay, yay, yay. And uh, the biggest thing that I get pushback from moms who already have children is like, I should already know how to do this. And that's something I hear every day. Is like, I already have a kid, two kids, five kids. I should know what I'm doing.
0: No, you don't. No, you don't. Like, <laughs> No, <laughs> it's starting from scratch. With sleeping and potty training, every child, I'm like, how did I ever do this? I don't remember anything. And every kid is different as well.
2: You know, looking at your website and looking at the different courses that you offer, I never even considered the prep before baby comes and just kind of getting in that mental space of, okay, I'm going to have zero sleep. And this is my plan because I feel like I started each one of those first four babies with, here we go again, like no game plan. So I'm excited to, to get that course and be prepared.
0: Yeah, Kara, I'm so excited for you to have a newborn. And it is it is no secret that newborn sleep can be really tricky, almost like mystical. But no matter the age of your child, you can have sleep issues, right? Like my youngest is 12. And he ended up in my bed last night and that was, he hasn't done that forever. Like he never was one that liked to come get in my bed, but I woke up this morning feeling so hammered. So this is something parents have to face through the range of development. But for this episode of the podcast, Becca, we're hoping that you can help us really hone in on these questions from our Mom Force Facebook group that are specifically about newborns up to 14 months. Are you game? I'm all ready to go. Okay, let's go. I love it.
2: Well, Allison from the Mom Force Facebook group said, my 10-week-old won't sleep for more than 45 minutes to an hour unless she's being held, except for when she falls asleep on our bed with me right next to her watching. I'm wondering if having her in a co-sleeper next to us on the bed might help for now. And I can relate to this so much, Allison, because baby number three for me, Charlotte, was this exact same sleeper, 45 minutes max, unless I was holding. And I for one do not co-sleep. I can't, I, I just can't get rest if my baby's in the bed with me. I don't even like to nurse in bed with my babies. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this because this is definitely and my experience. That is, well. I mean,
1: blanket statement, newborns, like you said, they're just tricky. They're their entire different like breed. I say in so many videos, podcasts, blogs, like asterisk, this does not apply to newborns. So they're just different. So I mean, for Allison, <laughs> the first thing I would say is a forty five to sixty minute nap is okay. It's really not it's not a junk nap. That's a that's a pretty good nap. And I would say the other thing is that it's okay to hold your baby while they're sleeping because that's the joy of a newborn. So those are like two things that you're doing really well. You're enjoying those snuggles. Baby is getting you know, a, a good nap during the day. However, they're of course, like Allison asking, like, what else can I do? So the first thing that's always eye-opening, for any newborn parent is how much awake time that newborn can handle. And when I say the awake time, it really has everything to do with why the baby is going to take short naps, like a 20 minute nap, a 30 minute nap. Those still aren't awful, but we can do a little bit better. So for Allison, like when the moment that you hear this, literally the coolest thing about newborns is you can start their new cycle of awake windows, the instant you learn about it. So a newborn can handle being awake for 45 to 60 minutes. That's it. And that includes being fed. So there's not a lot that a newborn is doing. They are awake. Um, You're going to maybe change their diaper, feed them, look around the house. Okay, it's time for your nap again. Let's go. Whether that is in a bassinet or that is in their crib or that is on you, that's like primary thing number one. If any newborn mom is struggling with short naps or colicky baby, that's like the very first thing you can work on. The next thing, and this really has to do with your own sleep philosophy, I myself don't teach co-sleeping. And so when we look at a co-sleeper, I could be okay with that if you're talking about a bassinet beside the crib. And the reason, like I shared in the intro about why I'm anti-co-sleeping is because I've been in that situation where your baby's under the covers. And, and that can be uh, scary. Yeah. that's, that's it's, it's not safe and I don't promote that. And so for Allison, what I would say is at 10 weeks old, I'm perfectly fine for your baby to be in a bassinet or maybe a mini crib or a pack and play, whatever you want and pull it up right beside your bed. That's awesome. So you can be there in the nighttime to Help soothe. But I would also start to think about, and sometimes I get pushback on this, I would start to think about at nighttime how are you doing mentally as mom? Because I've met a lot of newborn moms who are getting to that three month, four month mark, and they're struggling with postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression and they're having more broken sleep throughout the night because baby is literally right next to their head and baby's sleeping fine. Baby's just making their noises, little coos, little cute little grunts, but it wakes mom up all the time. And so then you're hyper alert to your little one. And so sometimes around this age, I just ask, Hey, maybe we can like move the bassinet down the bed a little bit. I'm not asking you mm-hmm. to go to the own room. That's whenever you're ready, but maybe just a few feet away from your head so that you can sleep a little bit more soundly. Yeah. Cause at nighttime, if you're saying every 45 to 60 minutes, it really could be, they're just making Grunts and little noises, but you pounce and like, oh, 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 let me help you. But then you actually wake them up.
0: Last night with my twelve-year-old, every time he sniffed, I woke up, and he was totally fine, out like a light. <laughs> but I, I mean, that is exactly right. And I never considered co-sleeping being
2: just in the same room because I guess my form of co-sleeping is has always been a bassinet next next to my bed. But you're right; those those sounds of and grunting and cooing, those wake me up all night long and I'm I tend to to push the baby a little further away from the bed sooner than ten weeks because you're a hundred percent accurate. Those wake me up all night long. And I realize like, I, I'm a disaster. (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes. Babies and 12 year olds are so noisy. (laughs) It helps your own mental load. If you can just maybe put the bassinet on the other side of of the bed. I've worked with tons of parents in New York. They've got tiny one bedroom apartments. So the only place is a a corner. Okay, great. Whatever you can do. If you need to create that space, I'm not forcing that on a newborn mom, but sometimes they, they almost just need someone to say, it's okay.
0: Or a closet. I've put a baby in a closet before when you just need that extra little space. That'll be my plan. I remember I had one child who just had such a hard time and I was so desperate to get sleep that I let her sleep in her car seat. And I know we saw a question in the Facebook group also, a, a mom who was wondering, is it okay to let my baby sleep on a boppy? Like I just, I need sleep so badly. How can I help this child get comfortable enough to fall asleep? What do you recommend? I recommend absolutely back as best. And I really try to be anti
1: containers as much as possible. And containers are just anything that a baby would be in for a prolonged period, like a boppy. A car seat is a container, but of course, car seats, you're going to do that because you got to get the car, got to go on air and things like that. But any type of swing, any type of, of course, the rock and play is out. I am severely anti docatot, like any container that you just don't need. In my opinion, those are just marketing gimmicks to make you think you need a next thing. You don't. Now I do believe that yes, many newborns who do struggle with maybe silent reflex or they they have been diagnosed with GERD, things like that. Yeah, they need to be, be held upright for a little bit and you're going to do that to help them. But in all safe sleep practices, back is best, firm, flat bassinet or crib. When the rock and play was recalled, the big thing I was like, guys, it's, it's fine. Like you don't you don't need the rock and play, but a, a great alternative to a boppy or anything like that is um, like Fisher Price has an amazing swaying bassinet. It's firm and it sways. And it's like $120. I had the summer infant version of it for my girls. It was the best thing in the world. And of course, there are uh, bassinets similarly that are thousands upon thousands of dollars. And I'm just not a product person. I just don't believe that's where we need to be putting our pennies. Um, and if, if, if definitely you want to have a great sleep future for your child, you, you don't need to spend thousands and thousands of dollars for the first few months of their life.
2: And what was that product again? And Vanessa, let's make sure to add this to the show notes. Yeah, this is called the Fisher Price swaying
1: bassinet. So it's a firm, flat bassinet that you can put right beside your bed, um, but it sways. It has that like rocking motion that babies, the newborns crave, and they really need that. So, and I do teach like the five S's by Dr. Harvey Karp in our newborn course about hey, yes, they love the swaying, they love the swaddling, they love the sucking, they love leaning on their side, all these things, not the positioner. I do a lot of collaboration with Baby Begin out of Dallas and they're physical therapists for babies. And so we talk about avoiding containers because while they seem like a great band-aid solution, there is more plagiocephaly now because of these containers. Baby are just in containers all the time and they're not getting the chance to move around. So is that when they have to wear a helmet to help with the shape of the head? Right. Yeah. flat head syndrome. Honestly, it most often is linked to yeah. The containers they're in, um, which, which even for me in the sleep world goes into magic
0: Merlins, which hint, hint, wink, wink, are not magic. My gosh, I, I'm so far out of the baby business. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we had such limited resources and products when I was having my babies. But there's just so many gimmicks now because moms are
2: so tired. You would do anything. And you're desperate. Yes, you're so desperate. You'll buy anything if it promises more sleep.
0: Okay, talking about desperate, I want to I want to shift to a little older baby, four and a half months and napping in particular. So Megan, this was her question. She says, I am desperate for baby nap help. My baby is four and a half months old, and she sleeps pretty good through the night. We do co-sleep, so that's probably why. But naps are terrible. It's 20 minutes here or there, and I know she needs more because she's so fussy throughout the day unless she's being held. And I remember using a car ride as a way to get my – oldest to sleep. Like he could not fall asleep unless he was laying with me with his arm around my neck or in the car. And I would do both of those things. Our sister, Shelly has
2: a one-year-old, one and a half-year-old, and she constantly is leaving meetings or (laughs) FaceTime calls because she and I run a business together. And so she's constantly saying, oh my gosh, Kara, let me call you back in 20 minutes. I need to put Otto in the car to get him to fall asleep. So if you want to think about, actually, the car analogy is
1: perfect. If you think about how your child goes to sleep, and especially this starts at four months old, that's why the four month sleep progression is a thing, it's because they get more mature sleep cycles. So around this age, this four month mark, when you are helping your baby go to sleep, whether you are like literally driving them or you're rocking them, you're holding them, whatever, your baby figuratively is in the passenger seat and whatever is helping them go to sleep is in the driver's seat, pacifier, bottle, rocking, nursing, driving, whatever. So you're figuratively driving your little one to go to sleep. Okay, great. They fell asleep. They're, you know, that limp baby. All right, we're good. Let's transfer them to the crib, right? You transfer them to the crib or wherever they're sleeping, pack and play. And then you tiptoe away. And then you're surprised in 20 minutes when they wake up on their own. Because they are figuratively stranded on the side of the road without their driver, without their car. So how are they supposed to go back to sleep? So that's what sleep training is. You teach your baby when it's age appropriate to be in the driver's seat to put themselves to sleep by, hey, sucking on your thumb, sucking on your, my two, the two middle fingers. My girls were like constantly sucking on those two middle fingers because they're smaller, or they're gonna grab their PJs, or they're gonna do that cute baby thing where they roll over and put their butt in the air, like whatever the baby wants to do to self soothe. So, do you advocate sucking thumbs? Oh, 100% hundred percent because that's okay. completely self-dependent on the baby and it's an attached pacifier. Um,
0: yeah, they can do it themselves. It does. But doesn't it mess up their teeth one day? Yeah, but so do
2: Posse, sis. All my kids that took passies <laughs> had some serious Posse teeth. Okay.
1: I do collaborations with um, speech people as well, speech language pathologists. And we talk about, like, yeah, sure, if your three, four year old is sucking on her thumb like 24 seven, yeah, you're going to have some problems. But I really honestly don't see a lot of babies carry from the baby, like the four month, five month, they learn to suck on their thumb once they are able to have a blankie, a stuffed animal sometimes that changes and they're like, Oh, I don't need to do that. I can, I can hug on my Lanny or something like that. So it does, it changes as the kid gets older, yeah. but really from four months old is when they are really truly able to learn self-soothing strategies. And that's how you can get them to sleep through the night or have that one night feeding, like a four and five month old. It's fine to have a one night feeding. For uh, naps during the day, that's how they're gonna have longer, fuller naps is because they're not looking and waking up for like, ah, where's my driver? How do I go back to sleep? They know, they'll just, oh, Mm -hmm. here's my thumb. Let me roll over, go back
2: to sleep. That makes so much sense. Oh my gosh, it's like it's like common sense. But why don't we? Why isn't it in there? <laughs> I truly believe there are no secrets to sleep.
1: I, I just don't think so. And I I also tell parents all the time, like no, I've never met a unicorn baby. Like every parent thinks that their kid is like unique and special, and they are, but they're not a unicorn. Every baby really can sleep. They really can.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, so you mentioned sleeping through the night. Yeah. I want to go to this next question. This is from Chastity and she's asking, how do you get your baby to sleep through the night? Mine is eight months old and nothing that I do gets her to sleep all night. She eats her cereal with fruit at night and has a bottle and is ready for bed by nine, but she's up again at one and three and five needing another bottle. Now, my mom taught me that when my babies got older to start mixing a little cereal in their bottle, and that's how they would be able to sleep through the night. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. What advice do you have for chastity?
1: Definitely not that, (laughs) but for chastity, I mean, the same, I would apply that same, like the last thing she said, needing a bottle. Your baby is needing a bottle every, what, two hours throughout the night because they don't know how to put themselves back to sleep. And you could probably put a timer to it. A baby's sleep cycles during the night are 90 minutes. So if you really look at it, it might be every 90 minutes, the baby's waking up and then I'll just let them cry for 30 minutes. Oh, they can't figure it out on their own. I guess I'll have to go and and feed them. And to me, that's actually unfair because all that baby knows is, well, you're supposed to give me the bottle and go to sleep. So why am I sitting here
0: crying? They don't need to eat every 90 minutes. They just are on that cycle. Well, they will naturally wake. Yes, for one, that, that is something it's called
1: metabolic memory. Like they know, oh, I get my, my fix right now. Like I get my meal right now, but an eight month old, unless medically advised does not need to be eating every two hours throughout the nighttime. So for one, I mean, that brings up a major point is whenever you are ready to sleep train or you want your baby to sleep for the night, have a conversation with your pediatrician. That's a disclaimer we put on all of our courses. But the second thing you need to look at is you need to evaluate what is this sleep prop. What's the thing that's driving your little one to sleep? What do they think is the mechanism to get tired, to get drowsy, to go to sleep? Well, for this little one, it's the bottle. So no wonder all night long, if baby is put to sleep with the bottle, then all night long, they're going to wake up looking for the bottle. It is pure consistency through and through. So you could replace bottle with pacifier or rocking or bouncing or whatever, and it's always going to be the same thing.
0: I think I fell into that trap with a lot of my kids. I have all four out of four. I have seven kids. I've had a range of experiences, but one of my daughters, she, nothing would soothe her. And I finally came to the realization that she just needed to cry. That was her self-soothing. And after a good little hard cry, she would fall asleep and sleep through the whole night. And that was such a breakthrough for me. And I would, I got so used to that routine that we'd have company over and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go put the kids to bed. And then I'd put her down and I'd leave the room and she'd be screaming because that was the routine. And they would all be looking at me like, well are you going to do something? Is she okay? I'm like, oh no, no, that's just, that's just what she does. And seriously, until she was about a year and a half, that, that's what she mm-hmm. needed. And actually, you know, she's, she's in her twenties now and every now and then she still needs a good cry to <laughs> settle down. I'm the same way. Yes. So we shouldn't be afraid of hearing our kids cry. Is that what you're saying? Right. But there's a huge like
1: disclaimer on that too. So like what you were just saying, she cried for a little bit, went to sleep, slept all night long crying is another self-soothing mechanism for many of the clients I've worked with. You know, we eliminate all props. We know that the baby's fully in charge of their sleep, but they'll cry for five or 10 minutes and then sleep 12 hours. And if that's the case, I don't have any problem with that. It is literally your baby's way. It's not your favorite way. You would pick something else if you could, but it's just the way that they're gonna self-soothe. And so if if, if that's the situation, then that's fine. Um, crying in general, my biggest problem when people say, oh, you know what, tonight I've had enough. I'm just gonna let the baby cry it out. That is not a plan. That is a half-hearted like, I think cry it out means you do your normal thing in the middle of the night, you just let them cry until maybe they go back to sleep. And so my biggest struggle with hearing about people applying crying out or or attempting that they're gonna sleep train on their own is was my problem when I when I first got started in all of this was, oh, that's nice. You know, this thing says to do that, but no, they don't, they don't know my situation. They don't know my kids. So I'm gonna do what I want. And so you start cherry picking things. And so when people say yep. they cry it out, normally what they mean is they put the baby to sleep like they normally do. Like they give the kid a bottle, they close the door, they walk out the room. And then at midnight, when the baby wakes up, they just say, Oh, well, well, you know, we'll just let her figure it out. And an hour later, they're like, Oh, this is too much. I got to go to sleep. Let me just give her another bottle. Well, then all that baby learned was, Oh, I got to cry for now an and get what I want. And then you repeat the cycle the next day.
0: That is a brutal hour though. Yes. Oh my gosh. I remember trying to do that. And then thinking, well, maybe if I just lay on the floor and they can see me, That'll give them the comfort they need, and then you end up being a slave to, like, anything that— and you're so torn with all the different books and all the different theories and, and emotions. Like you
2: don't want your baby to cry, but you also want your baby to sleep because that's very important and you feel completely helpless. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I, I heartedly like joke about something like
1: Vanessa, you were just saying, like your daughter still needs a good cry. My five-year-old will cry because she can't wear her princess dress to school. Like that's just, she just gets upset yeah. for things. It's like, why? And so for babies what I ask parents to look at is like they're crying right now because there's no consistency. You don't have a plan. You're, you know, you're trying something new every night. It doesn't make sense when you sleep train the way that you need to be sleep training or when it works, you really should never be getting three, four nights in. And you're like, this is still awful. I tell parents all the time in our sleep training programs by that third night, you need to be like, yes, I'm seeing the light. This is working. You know, This is it. Because if not, it's unfair to baby. It's unfair to you. I'm just incredibly passionate about people doing things with a purpose, but also with consistency and not, not hitting reset every single night. That's just,
0: that's just the worst. I want to ask one more question. Yeah. And this question is from Jillian. She has a 14 month old who she says has never been a great sleeper, but was sleep trained at four months. And so he puts himself to sleep with no problem. But her issue now is that he is waking up as early as 4am and will not go back to sleep. And 4am is too early for this mama. I'm sure it's too early for Jillian. What do you do if you've got an unusually early riser?
1: early morning wakings are like the number one problem that I pretty much work with. I mean, like after you've sleep trained, what's the biggest problem? Early morning because your kid wakes up early. So for Jillian, I mean, the first thing I would start digging into at 14 months, I would want to make sure that kid is on one nap a day because if that kid is on two naps a day and they're getting too much daytime sleep, The first, it's like a math equation. The first place that it's going to take away from if they have too much daytime sleep is the early morning. So for Jillian, I would say like, is your kid on one nap a day? And then the other thing I would check in on is the bedtime. Is the bedtime routine, does it still include milk? Does it include like a giant sippy cup of milk? Or is in the first thing in the morning, is your kid get to get up and get, you know, TV and a snack or TV and milk. Like you got to think about the bookends. After 12 months, we don't have milk right before we go to sleep. They need to have dinner, and that's a whole nother topic. But they need to make sure that we're having three meals a day. Milk is a beverage, not a meal. Are they getting instantly gratified in the morning, first thing in the morning? Which I get because 4:30 is miserable, so it's easy to pop your kid in the front of the TV and be like, "I'm going to go back to sleep." But you got to break the cycle of that. So those are just a couple of things I would look for, and. It's normal that you sleep train your kid and then things happen because they're not robots. They're going to change. They're going to develop. They're going to have new needs that arise. And that's one part of our business is offering people the roadmap to say like, hey, this is going to happen next month. Be prepared for it. Because it's normal that your kid changes. It's You're doing a good job. You're raising them. So,
0: Yeah, I lived by that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. This would be so awesome. I'm sure they probably have. Look, what to expect through the first year. Yeah. Yeah, knowing what lies ahead that can like not cause panic, but give you tools.
2: Yeah. And that's such great advice to, to look at more than just what do I do to fix the morning? Well, what are you doing at night? What are you doing during the day? Such great advice. Yeah. And that's exactly what our, we call it the little Z sleep society is all about
1: is like your kid sleeps great right now, but things will change. That's okay.
0: Here's what you need to know into the future. Can you just tell me if they wake, when they wake up, you're not supposed to give them sippy cups and cereal and stuff. Like you you mentioned something about the reward. I used to, when my kids were all like toddlers, before I went to bed, I made sippy cups for all of them and put them on the counter. So when they got up, they could just <laughs> take care of themselves for a while and buy me a little extra sleep. Yes. But what do you mean by that? Like in this yeah. instance with a 14 month old? Yeah, for the 14 month old. Well, my mom did the same thing for me. She taught me how to get cereal at 5 a.m. So I get it.
1: But definitely when I look back at what I would tell my mom, what I would tell Jillian, you have to think about like, your, your young toddler, that's like exciting to them. If they know I just get to scream, cry, 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 cry. Oh, finally you come in. Yes. I get Paw Patrol. I get my cup of milk. Like that's a toddler like fix. That's like their their thing. And so I get pictures, I get things all the time of, of kids like lounging on the couch with their chocolate milk in a show. Like they're living the life. So instead what you need to start doing is, okay, when it is appropriate to get up, not 4.30, but um, usually the earliest we're looking at is like 6 a.m. if they can get that 11 hours of sleep. Now we can get up at six and we're gonna have a big start to the day. But I ask parents to wait at least 10 minutes before they get to have their milk, their show you know, breakfast is something different. You know, we're going to sit down together and eat breakfast, things like that. But it's, it really is, it's hard to break that habit. But if you think about it as like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. My kid gets milk, their favorite show, they get to hang out and probably doze back to sleep. No wonder they're waking up at 4.30. Um, It's a hard cycle to break, but it's definitely a place to start. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's such great advice. Becca, you are a lifesaver. I just wish that you were around when I was having my babies.
2: And I will be calling on you and your advice and your courses in the next seven months.
0: (laughs) So where can our listeners look to find more information about you and your work and your courses?
1: Our website is littlezsleep.com.
0: On Instagram,
1: I'm littlezsleep. And on our podcast, it's podcast. So just littlezsleep.
0: Everywhere. Okay, and you mentioned that you might have a code for our listeners for a discount on a course. Yeah, definitely. When you go to our website,
1: littlezsleep.com slash programs, you can use code MOMFORCE to save
0: $10. Yay, you're the best. Saving mama's sanity everywhere. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks guys for having me. This is fun. Thank you so much for being here with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and let us know what you think. Also, check out the show notes for links to the things we talked about. And you can find a special Chatbooks discount code. All right, we'll see you next week.